the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a question for the show, shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. All right, let's do a quick update. It is... March 8th, as I'm doing the live show here, but the market hasn't opened yet. So let's talk about March 7th. So for the year so far, the S&P 500, despite all the news that's going on out there, is up 4.14%. So let's break it down a little bit. As you know, some of the same stocks that are in the S&P 500 are in the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is is very tech-heavy. For example, when you look at the NASDAQ, when you say, what's the NASDAQ doing? The NASDAQ is made up of 12.36% Apple, almost 12% Microsoft, 6% Amazon, 4.72% NVIDIA, almost 4% Tesla. And then the Googles uh, are about a little over 7%. Then you've got Meta at 3.39% and then Broadcom is 2%. And then it starts to drop below. So it's a very, you know, it's it's again, a market cap weighted index tied towards tech. So the NASDAQ so far this year is up 11.29%, but that was also a huge decline last year. So a lot of the rally that we've seen so far this year is not from, hey, earnings are moving ahead. Earnings are positive. Things are going great. It's from some of the stuff that got nailed last year, giving us a little bit of a rebound. So it's important to keep that in play. And when you look at the S&P 500, which is up a little over 4% with dividends, it, last year, van or the value outperformed growth quite a bit. This year, value is flat. Growth, if we look at something like VUG, is up about 9.92%. So again, a bit of a rebound there. What's interesting, though, is in the small cap world, if we look at the Russell 2000, which is up almost 7% for the year, both small cap value and small cap growth are doing fairly decently. So for example, VBR, Vanguard small cap value ETF, up 5.64%. We've got some outperformance from international. If we look at the EFA ETF, the iShares MSCI EFA ETF, EFA, it's up almost 6% for the year. Emerging markets up 2.2% for the year. And then if we look at bonds, fairly flat. We had a little interest rate bump yesterday or this last week. The iShares core aggregate bond ETF, which is a good look at the overall US bond market. AGG is a the symbol there, up 0.2% for the year. And for those of you in California listening, we've got CMF, which is a uh, iShares 
municipal California bond ETF that kind of gives a representation of how that market's doing up 0.15%. That's where we're at for the year. We're up what, nearly 9% at one point in the S&P 500. We've had a little bit of a pullback. Yesterday, Treasuries dropped, sank to fresh lows after Powell said in prepared remarks that to battle persistent inflation, the Fed was prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. And this was just after we had news that, oh, we're probably not going to get 50 basis points. We're going to get a 25 basis point at the next one. Um, he went on to say that the terminal rate is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. So bond values dropped a little bit, yields jumped a little bit. It's an inverse relationship. And the yield curve is still inverted. So what does that mean? We've got an inverted yield curve. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, right? What that means is that if you loan money to the U.S. government, you're going to get paid a higher rate of return on a shorter-term bond than a longer-term bond. So right now, if you lend money to the U.S. government, the 10-year bond is yielding 3.97% as of yesterday's close. The two-year bond is yielding almost 1% higher, 4.89%. So you're like, okay, why would I loan money to the government for 10 years at 3.97 when I could loan it for just two and get my money back at 4.89? Well, the reason why you might need to own a little bit of both is because that if you believe that the Fed's going to go too far and break something and rates eventually have to fall back down, on a two-year, you have a reinvestment risk. In two years, you could be facing a much lower interest rate when you're reinvesting, whereas a 10-year, you're locked in. And if rates drop, your bond can go up in value, which could allow you to sell it for a profit. So that's one of the reasons why you still own a little bit of everything in a good balanced portfolio. So there's a lot of talk, a lot of questions. Every other comment that I'm hearing on Bloomberg and CNBC and places like that are people talking about how much money you can earn on treasuries right now. So you got the two-year bond. If you go less than two years, you're looking at bills and notes. And if you haven't looked at this, you can go to treasurydirect.gov. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, do not expect any customer service in any way, shape, or form. These things have not really been attractive since 2006. So there's just been this huge inflow of people buying treasuries through treasurydirect.gov. And they're very, very short staffed. And I want to explain very carefully that if you are a person that is married, you either need to open a joint account. But if you have a trust, if you have a living trust, you need to make sure that your treasurydirect.gov account is opened under your living trust because there's two things that are awful to deal with when we're settling estates for people that when they pass away, it's shares of stock that are held directly at institutions like Computer Share or Bank of New York, Mellon, um, or stock certificates or paper bonds or anything with the Treasury Direct. Because there's no customer service. It's all done by mail. It's it's a real hassle. So you have to make sure that these accounts are set up correctly. But this is great right now for retirees because retirees can earn money on their cash and their safe money. When you're a working family, typically the most safe money that you need is about 6 to 12 months of expenses in cash. And you can do you know like a Capital One 360, an Ally, or whatever. You can earn 3.5% on your cash. But if you're retired, when you need three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money, you can now earn money, interest on that. 
so for example, right now, Treasury Direct, the recent auction, a four-week T-bill where you give the money to the Treasury. And the way that it, it works is that you set up treasurydirect.gov account and you link it to your checking account. And then you say, I want to buy some four-week T-bills. And what will happen is the next auction that will occur, typically on a weekly basis, when you say that's what you want to buy, they'll draft it out of your checking account. And then you have two options. You can either have it sent directly back to your checking account when they mature or have them roll and just continue to roll every, you know, every time a four-week comes due, then it'll automatically buy another four-week. So right now, four-week is at 4.68%, 26-week is at 4.94%, and the 52-week T-bill is at 5.04%. So you can more effectively almost ladder, and, and check your local banks for sure. You know, FDIC insured accounts, credit unions, sometimes they're having kind of these laddered CDs that are pretty close to the rate, and that might be easier for you if your accounts are already set up under a trust and things like that. But that's how it works. And, and again, it's great for retirees, or they can earn money on cash. Now, how much cash do you need? Again, the, the safe money requirement, in my opinion, if, if a retiree has expenses, let's say it's 150000 a year, but they're getting 50000 a year from pension and Social Security, well, they still need $100,000 a year from their portfolio. So I like to have at least three years worth of that in pretty darn safe assets, CDs, T-bills, notes, things like that. And that way, between your dividends and interest on the rest of your portfolio and your safe money, you can make it through any type of, you know, 2007 top of the market down to the bottom of the market, March of 09, back to the recovery phase, late 2010. And you'll be okay and you can weather the storm because the stock market takes really good care of you over time. So look at historical returns over the last 50 years, over 11%, even with credit crisis and COVID and everything else. But man, if you got to draw on those assets when the stock market or the bond market is down at the same time, like 2022, your portfolio ends up in rough shape. So you have to have those, those plans for how you draw on your portfolio in good years and in bad years. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. So talking a little bit about cash management for retirees. I mean, to me, it makes sense right now to have, you know, around three months of uh, cash in your checking account. So you got that buffer there. Um, another six months in one of these high yield FDIC insured accounts like Ally Capital One 360 or so, where you can get three and a half percent or more. Um, some of them I've seen up at 4.25 or so. And the rest you can build a T-bill ladder at treasurydirect.gov so that you have some, you know, you can go anywhere from four weeks, I'd say all the way to 52 week on T-bills. But again, make sure you set up your Treasury Direct account properly. If you have a living trust, it is registered to your living trust. If you have a spouse, it's joint. So think about that. Now, a lot of questions that we get, I mean, and again, treasuries are one of the hottest topic right now because there's been such a huge increase in interest rates. These things haven't really been too attractive since 2006, since prior to the Great Recession. That's how much interest rates have jumped on the shorter end of the curve. And when I say the shorter end of the curve, it means shorter maturity U.S. bonds, notes, and T-bills. 
Now, can you do this in an IRA? Yeah, it's, it's possible, but you're doing it in the secondary market. So if you have an IRA at Schwab or Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, that's all the places that we manage our clients' money. Um, so when EP Wealth and we're, we're doing financial planning and, and investments for people, it's it's your accounts at TD Ameritrade, Fidelity or Schwab are just uh, authorized to be able to trade the account. But anyways, you can you can buy through the fixed income desk um, and create kind of your own ladder inside of an IRA with notes and bills that mature at a specific time. You're buying them in a secondary market, so it's not going to be the same exact rate that you see at treasurydirect.gov, but it's going to be similar. So it is possible to buy these things in an IRA. So for example, if you know you're, you're, and this is where income planning comes into play for your asset allocation and your various types of accounts. Let's say a person has done their cash flow projections, their detailed retirement plan, and they know that they're going to be spending $50,000 a year out of their IRA. And um, you know, you're going to have a certain amount of dividends and interest that your that your investments are generating. So stocks pay dividends, bonds pay interest. And so you're going to have a certain amount of dividends and interest that your IRA is generating. And if it's not generating 50K a year, then you might need to create some safe money in your IRA so that you know you always have something ready to pull out when you need to pull the funds out. So in a situation where you know you're taking 50,000 of principal each year out of your IRA, you might want to have somewhere between 50 to 150,000, you know, one to three years of that in things like T-notes and T-bills that mature every six, 12 and 18 months, for example. Um, and again, this is newer because you haven't heard me talk about this or the 20 plus years I've been doing radio since 2006, 2007 timeframe. Just like laddering bond portfolios has not been super attractive until recently, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Now, I want to make sure that you realize, though, that these shorter term T-bills and notes are not a replacement for all of your bonds. You don't want to just cash in all of your bonds and say, this is what I'm going to buy. Because it's it's tough to see a situation where the Fed raises rates this much and it doesn't kind of break something somewhere, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm not worried about some major financial crisis. Um, you know, we've obviously got the debt ceiling to deal with. There's a lot of refinancing that has to do, has to come up over the next year or so on commercial real estate. Um, and it's the office, commercial office real estate. that's kind of like the not, not too attractive area where the, most other real estate is. Um, but the last time we had really high short-term rates and an inverted yield curve was back in September of 1981. So our portfolio team and Adam Phillips, our uh, head portfolio strategist at EP Wealth put together this, this little chart and it's based on Bloomberg U.S. Treasury bellwether index performance. But I took a look from 1981, the last time we saw a similar situation. Now, rates were a lot higher in 1981. So we don't expect these types of returns going forward because to get these types of returns that I'm going to talk about, rates have to drop quite a bit. And we're just getting back to more of a normal rate situation versus this. But this was a similar period in time where everybody was talking, oh, I better go, you know, buy shorter term treasuries because rates are so high because the Fed back in 1981 was trying to break the, break the back of inflation. Inflation was very high, so they started raising rates. And they were hell-bent on breaking the back of inflation. You know, like Volcker back then. 
So what they did is they looked at different indexes, the three-month, the two-year, the five-year, the 10-year, and the 30-year, and said, okay, what was the five-year performance annualized total return? And total return means income from the bonds plus the price appreciation from the bonds. And when interest rates go down, bond prices go back up. So a lot of people believe that the Fed will go a little bit too far, will you know hit some recessionary times, and then they'll have to back up and start dropping rates again. So when you looked at the three month, let's just let me look at the two year. So we're we're talking about three month to two year, but let's let's kind of look at all of them, I guess. So if we look five year performance of these different indexes, when everybody wanted to buy only short term stuff, the three month Treasury index five years later was nine point eight percent total return. The two year five years later, it had a total return of 14.3%. The five-year treasury index, five years later, had a total return of 18%. The 10-year treasury index, five years later, had a 21.4% total return. So again, while I think these T-bills, T-notes, and things like that are very useful for your cash management and the money that you know you're going to need to spend in retirement in the next couple of years, you still want to loan a lot of the other bonds that are out there. For example, other conservative bond options for an IRA would be a really good one to five year corporate bond ladder where let's say you needed 50 grand a year out of your IRA and you know you needed it and you want a dependable source of income. You could do a one to five year ladder where you put 250,000 in, but you know you had a certain number of bonds maturing every year for five years. So basically another 25,000 or 50,000 of principal coming back to you every year in addition to the interest that you earn. So you could do a one to five year bond ladder, know that every year you've got the 50,000 maturing in, in bonds that you need and get a yield right now of about 5.65%. And if interest rates go back down, some of those bonds might go up and you could actually sell them for a profit potentially. And if interest rates continue to go up and the bonds fall on paper, it doesn't matter. They're going to mature and you're going to get your money back. Because we're talking about high-quality corporate bonds here. Um, in a taxable account, if we look at California tax-free municipal bonds on a 1 to 10-year ladder, you're looking at around 2.91% uh, tax-free yield at inception, according to Parametric. And uh, that's a tax-equivalent yield if you're at a really high bracket in California of 6.34%. And again, if interest rates continue to go up and those bonds fall on paper, you know, on your paper statement, it's okay because the bonds mature and you get your money back. Now, some of them you're going to pay a premium for most of them in California right now. So you have to realize that. But it's, you know, with mutual funds, interest rates go up, investors sell, it forces the bond manager to sell bonds at a loss. So I think these, these ladders are a really important part of retirement planning right now. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. 
You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com. And please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Continue on with a little bit more of a market update. I would just say, you know, expect continued volatility as the Fed raises rates. Uh, I think it's a good year if you've got a lot of cash, too much cash or whatever to average in both stocks and bonds. Um, if we look at some of the readings out there, the USISM Manufacturing Purchasing Manager Index showed contraction reading in fourth straight month driven by employment and prices. And, um, you know, this indicator is a good one for looking at for predicting recessions and expansion. So that's something our team looks at a lot. The hiking cycle from the Fed has driven up consumer interest rates. Delinquencies are increasing, but are below 20 year averages because that's a big one that's talked about. Um, what's interesting is stories that I get from people that, uh, you know, run places like CarMax and other areas on what people are doing with the cars that they bought at ridiculously high interest rates during COVID. Um, due to an overheated labor market. Labor costs remain elevated and need to trend lower to help support a pause in the Fed rate hiking cycle. So it's, it's, it's kind of sad because I feel like if we had better fiscal policy, we'd be in so much better shape because essentially what the Fed's doing is they want to drive up this unemployment number now, right? They're looking at the labor market and say, oh, things need to be coming down and overheated. Well, if we had, so much growth in the economy and everything else with controlled inflation. Um, we wouldn't have to kind of break the labor market, but unfortunately what the fed's doing is, yeah, it's going to result in job loss. Um, and what it looks like is more of kind of these rolling recessions that we had in the early nineties right now, it's affecting kind of tech and startup areas and then it'll kind of roll into other areas. It's not like the market is super, Undervalued or overvalued, the forward 12-month P.E. ratio, that's a price-to-earnings ratio for the S&P 500, is 17.5. So the lower that number, the cheaper it seems to be, right? Price-to-earnings ratio. The P.E. ratio is below the five-year average, which is 18.5, but above the 10-year average, which is 17.2. Earnings expectations, um, you know, coming down a bit. They've come down since September, although 68% of the companies beat expectations in the fourth quarter of 2022. Overall, there was a decline in earnings of about 4.9%. So again, that's kind of just shows that the rebound that we're seeing is because the stuff that got hit really hard last year, people realized, okay, it's not, it didn't need to be down that much. So it rebounded a bit. Other than that, everything else is fairly flat. The idea here is that Stay the course. It's a good time to rebalance if you're overweight in something because typically rebalancing means I'm overweight in some sort of stock or asset class. I've got to sell and buy something or create some more cash. And now you can actually earn money on bonds and cash. So it's a good time to make sure that you have a very diversified balanced portfolio. In your stocks, most people have just been overweighted in large cap growth for years. And that's starting to fade a bit. Um, I like a mix of not only indexing or, or passive, but also active, especially in the small cap and the international area. So it's a good time to take a real fresh look at your portfolio and also your overall tax planning. There's so much talk of finding bargains overseas. I mentioned that according to facts that the forward P ratio, the SP 500 is 17.5. The forward P ratio, if I look at the EFA ETF on Y charts, 
the four P ratio of 12.9. So you're paying a lot less for the earnings per share overseas. Now, if we didn't have Russia, it would be a fat pitch I'd be swinging at. We're still a little lighter than usual on international than what we've been in the past because of that. But if that was to come to some sort of an end, oh my gosh, the, the values overseas are pretty impressive. And the other thing that's set up for a great time to move money overseas is that when you have a, the dollar had been trending upward and is somewhat peaked out against other currencies. And so you're using a strong dollar to kind of buy those stocks overseas. And if the dollar falls, you get not only the growth of the stocks, but the currency exchange too, if that makes sense. So it's pretty good. The other thing to really focus on too, because everybody had been focused on large cap growth versus um, you know, buying stocks at a reasonable price and knowing that these stocks have a dividend. And if they do have a dividend, they have a tendency to increase their dividend and they have a certain amount of free cash flow and a payout ratio when it comes to their free cash flow. That means that they have plenty of cash to support their dividend in good times or bad times. I remember looking back to 2008, which was an awful year. I've been in the business for a little over 28 and a half years. And you know, the credit crisis, it was awful. It was not a fun time in the business any way, shape, or form. But the individual stocks that we own that were purchased because of the dividend achievers that they were, stocks have a history of increase in their dividend, usually by an average of 10%. We actually had, even though the portfolio was down in value in 2008 with the stock market, dividends actually went up for the majority of our companies, which was nice. So you had that income, you got paid to wait while the market did recover. Um, and, and it's just a source of income that you can have in retirement, those dividends. So when you look at, you get the, re- look at the return of an index, but the total return includes the dividends and <clears throat> dividends make up a large portion of the total return of the index. So if we look at the S and P 500, for example, and look at the total return in, in the recent future. Um, the, for, for example, in the 1980s, the S&P 500 was up 370.5%. 38.6% of that was from dividends that those stocks paid. It dropped a bit in the 90s. The total return was up 431.5% in the 1990s for the S&P 500. Dividends made up 26.8% of that, a significant amount. In the 2000s, the total return of the S&P 500 was actually negative when I look at it like this, down 9.1%. Um, yeah, from 2000 to 2000 to 2010, that doesn't look right. But anyways, the S&P, the dividends, I'm going I'm to skip over that one. 2010s, so we look at the 2010s, 2010 to 2019. The S&P 500 up 256.7%. Dividends were 26% of that. And so far in the 2020s, S&P 500 is up 28.8%. Dividends were 22.5% of that. And I love dividends because when you're building wealth, it's kind of nice that your 401k, they automatically reinvest the dividends for you. If you look at the front page of your statement, you won't really see it. But if you actually open up your statement and kind of dig into the transactions, you'll see 
these different mutual funds inside your 401k that are paying dividends. And then you'll see those dividends being reinvested to buy you more shares. So when you start to go buy ETFs and stocks and funds on your own outside of your 401k, you want to make sure you reinvest those dividends. Typically, when you buy an ETF on your Fidelity or Schwab account, either when you're making the trade, you can click a button that says reinvest the dividends, or after you make the trade, you have to go in like a TD Ameritrade, go into your holdings and enroll in the dividend reinvestment. So that way, every quarter, you see more shares being purchased with those dividends that you're being paid by this company. So dividend is just a return of profit to the shareholder. And when you look at, there's dividend achievers and a dividend aristocrat versions of ETFs that are out there. And, uh, you know, the dividends, again, make a huge part of the total return. When you look at the last 50 years in the S&P 500s, averaged over 11%. A good chunk of that is because of the dividends that are being paid are reinvested. Now, when you retire and you have a taxable account, so you've, 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 that means you've invested outside of your retirement accounts at, you know, Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, whatever, you're paying taxes on those dividends and you're paying taxes on the interest unless it's a tax-free bond. And if you need the income, that's when it's time to turn off the dividend reinvestment and start having that sent to your checking account as a source of income. And that's great too, because you get paid to wait through market corrections. The dividends and interest typically still come. Now, although some companies do have to cut their dividends during a recession or some sort of a crisis, most of the stuff that you concentrate on retirement is, is looking at the quality of the company that has the dividend, that has the free cash flow and the payout ratio to support that dividend. And so I think a lot of people don't realize that you can create passive income from stocks and ETFs, which are just exchange-traded funds, and mutual funds, which is a basket of stocks. So ETFs and mutual funds, very similar, a basket of individual stocks typically, or, or bonds that somebody manages. And so they can create passive income. So you can have passive income from your stocks where the income comes no matter what the share price is doing. Passive income from your bonds, which is interest payments. Passive income from your real estate, which is you know your net rental income. And I tell you what, if you save enough money where you have enough income coming from passive income, from your dividends from your stocks, which is my favorite, second favorite, income from real estate can be very tax efficient. Stocks are just easier and less risky to own in the long run. And then uh, interest from bonds. And, and if you can live off of just that and you never have to touch your principal, it feels very, very comfortable. It also allows you to feel like you can be more aggressive. Because you're like, I don't care what the value of my portfolio does during a recession or a correction because those dividends are coming anyway. And that's enough for me to live. And it's a really, really great feeling to have. So it's a great time to take a look at your overall portfolio, your asset location as you move into retirement. Make sure you have enough safe money, enough income and figure out what we're going to talk about next is where do I draw my my needs from? Retirement accounts, taxable accounts. Find me at chadburton.com. Find out about our team at EP Wealth. We've got a tax team. We've got a state planning team. We've got our portfolio team. We've got over 80 plus certified financial planner practitioners with expertise in lots of different areas, whether it's college planning or whatever it may be. Um, I've always specialized in retirement and estate planning. And when you notice on there, you can request a meeting. And when people request a meeting, 
we can get a lot done if I have copies of statements in previous tax return. Because a lot of times people come in and their their primary concern is investments. Now, a lot of people will pay a firm 1% a year plus to just sit on a portfolio that they occasionally rebalance, if if at all. And they really get no financial planning, no tax planning, no estate planning, no college advice. And that's ridiculous these days. You should be expecting more. Um, so good time to review a portfolio. Also review those relationships that you're just not getting anything out of it. When people request me, I need, uh, you know, tax return and statements because I need to, we need, we have to create a cash flow and a tax estimate before we can actually advise on asset allocation. Because there's two parts of asset allocation. Asset allocation is how much do you have in, in, at a high level in stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, commodities, you know, those asset classes. And if we get even deeper, it's how much do you have when, when it comes to stocks, which is equities is the same thing. How much do you have in large, small, mid-cap U.S. stocks? How much do you have in international emerging markets? And then you can get into value versus growth. But there's asset allocation. But there's also asset location. Which of those asset classes is best to hold in retirement accounts versus taxable accounts? Okay, so your taxable accounts might be heavier in large cap U.S. stocks, mid-cap stocks, and tax-free bonds, where a lot of the other asset classes should be in retirement accounts. And your Roth IRAs, should they be aggressive if you're going to leave them to your kids or more conservative if you're going to start drawing on them tax-free in about 10 years? You see what I mean? It's it's It just depends on your cash flow, your situation. Asset allocation is really driven by how much you're going to be drawing from each account. So are you drawing from your IRAs or not? Are you you know, converting money from your IRA to a Roth before age 73 or not. It, it has, you got to do the cash flow and the tax planning first. So if we're looking at this before age 73, which is when required minimum distributions kick in, when you have to start taking a certain amount of money out of your retirement accounts, before age 73, the first thing we look at is the taxable accounts that you own. What are the dividends being paid from the stocks and mutual funds and ETFs? Remember, we just talked about how important dividends are. Because you're going to pay taxes on those no matter what, right? Do you need that income? Should you be sending the dividends and interest to your checking account? How much do you have from Social Security? Most people that can afford to retire in the Bay Area, in you know the more expensive cities, 85% of your Social Security is typically taxable. Do you have a pension that's 100% taxable? When it comes to rental income, you've got your net rental income, but then you have the taxable amount of your rental income after depreciation. So that's why if for those retirees that have rent uh, rentals, we got to look at the tax return. We got to look at that Schedule E. How is that net income affecting your tax situation? Because we got to say you have taxable accounts and you have IRAs and 401ks. Where should you pull your money from? Let's say you add all of you know your dividends and interest from your taxable accounts, your social security, your pension, your your net rental income, you, you add all that up and you still need $50,000 a year from your portfolio. Are you going to sell stocks in your taxable account and be subject to more capital gains, which is one bracket? Or are you going to withdraw from your IRA, which is the ordinary income tax bracket? You have to model it. Everybody's a little bit different. That's why I love this business so much is because Every family is different. Every situation is different. The types of accounts that people saved in is different. 
some people are very diversified. Some people have highly concentrated stock that we have to deal with over time, especially in retirement by either trimming it or selling covered calls to create income as we trim it tax efficiently. That's a really great approach right now. If you have a highly concentrated position in a stock that you need to start taking income from is selling covered calls in a way to do that. Um, so yeah, are you, you've got to model this. Do you have concentrated stock? Do you have, um, are you overweight in a certain sector? Because look, risk is more important than taxes. Those people that have really made a lot of mistakes out there, um, they've tend to make it, well, the biggest mistakes are, are investing with fear or greed. Fear is when you sell at the bottom because you just get too scared and then you watch the market rebound and you turn paper losses into real losses or investing too aggressively when the market's doing really, really well and you're kind of getting in late and you go over your skis and you invest too aggressively. But the big mistakes out there are people that have not made financial moves because they didn't want to pay taxes. Risk is more important than taxes. As you're going into retirement, wealth management is not an issue of outperforming the stock market. It's keeping up with the market in the good years, but outperforming in the bad years. Where you've got to look at your portfolio and say, this is my, this is my life. This has got to last me the next 35 plus years of retirement. So risk is more important than taxes. As you create a withdrawal strategy, you have to say, yeah, capital gains, there's a lower bracket from capital gains taxes. However, what you have in ordinary income, like money that you pull out of your IRA, that can actually increase the taxes that you pay on your capital gains. It's, it's 2017, the tax act that was created then is very confusing, but there's a ton of opportunities for retirees. And the thing you have to keep in mind when you're doing your tax planning, your income planning at retirement is that your IRA is a ticking tax time bomb. At age 73, you have to start pulling money out. That'll eventually go up to 75 over time. But right now it's 73. You have to start pulling money out. And now when you leave money to your IRAs, your kids have to pay the taxes within 10 years. They're probably going to be at a higher bracket than you. So yeah, pulling money from your IRA or converting it from an IRA to a Roth can increase taxes on your qualified dividends in your taxable account. But what bracket are you in versus your kids? Are you leaving a ton of assets to your kids or you just have enough for yourself? That determines your IRA to Roth strategy. So obviously need a lot of help in retirement planning. We are there for you. You can find us at chadburton.com. EP Wealth, all our team is at, you can find it at chadburton.com. Podcasts, all the other stuff is there. Have a great day. Please tell a friend about the show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.